Team Venture. Welcome to Go Team Venture. I am your host, Justin Blomquist, and with me always is my co-host, Deanna Beaton. This is the podcast where once a week we go through another episode of the recently canceled Venture Brothers animated series. I am a longtime fan of the series, but Deanna here is seeing each episode fresh and for the first time as we go week to week. This week we cover the episode, Are You There, God? It's Me, Dean, written by Doc Hammer. Deanna, would you give this a episode kind of a log line as if it was a tv guide telling you what's happening this week i hope i can so the monarch kidnaps the whole venture squad and then because of fancy rules they have to he has to like let them go and reconvene in like two days or something like that Mm -hmm. and so the monarch keeps brock and hank as collateral in the meantime and then dean is dealing with i forget what it's called like tor torque tor torsion twisted testicles something with the word torque in it Mm. somewhere testicular torsion and we'll get all into that Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah i'd say that's a very uh thorough log line uh i'll kind of give you the imd brief imdb brief as well uh, while Brock and Hank are, in, are being held hostage by the monarch, Master Billy Quizboy and Pete White are called in to help diagnose a mysterious, painful illness, which is afflicting Dean. And I have to say, first of all, I'm so excited that you are now learning their names. And you're like, Hank and Brock and, I D- and Dean and Rusty. And I was like, yes, know their names now. Their names now. <laughs> it's Except in. then this episode brought in four relatively new characters. They're all repeats, but yeah, their names... I, Monarch I have, because that one's easy. But Oh, sure. But yeah, no, slowly but surely, like these characters will become more and more familiar to the point where you're just like, yeah, it's Pete and Billy. Yeah, they're back. But so the episode opens. We have the Monarch, uh, who, as you said, has the entire Venture Clan tied up, dangling over the Amazon River. He also says he has stolen from Dr. Venture Grover Cleveland's presidential time machine, and he's about to drop them in the river when... Uh, and he kind of keeps teasing them, like, you know, it's filled with the most world's dangerous fish. The piranha? No. The shark? No. The piranha? It's not a guessing game. <laughs> I did like that because I was, my first thought before he even said it was like, yeah, piranhas. And then mm. when he said no, I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what else it would be. So like a second guess at piranha is also what I was thinking. Totally. Uh, he says, no, uh, you're going to be fearing the dreaded candiru that swims up your urethra and eats away at your <laughs> penis. Uh, but suddenly Dean cries, time out, and explains that he has immense pain in his no-nos, which Mark says, what the hell are no-nos? Uh, Doc says, it's the super adult term my teenage son used to describe their genitals in public, in front of their father. Very specific rules and boundaries about what is and is not acceptable to easily the worst character in the show. The person that I hate the most maybe in the world right now, Rusty Bencher. Yeah. Did you ever have that growing up where your mom was like, don't say I have to go to the toilet. Say you have to do this or anything like that. Mm -mm. Uh, We were not especially like progressive or anything like that. But at the same time, like I remember being like, three or two or something and learning the words penis and vagina and then just saying them all the time for a couple of days and like embarrassing my brother who's five years older than me embarrassing him like in front of his friends and stuff like that 
So I definitely knew those words, but at the same time, after that like initial learning and embarrassing moments, I mean, then we, I also referred to them as other stupid things, not no nos, but, but there was not like weird rules about what you can and can't say in my no, house. I, for us, it was like, it was always a yeah, penis and vagina, whatever, but dad didn't like really kind of foul language. And so much so that he didn't like us saying like, oh, I farted. He's like, say you pass gas. I'm like, okay, mm. dad, sure. Keep it classy. Classy. You didn't rip one. You passed <laughs> gas. Uh, but so Rusty uh, kind of says, well, according to this guild rule, you have to stop what you're doing as far as these tortures uh, because Dean is in pain and we need to figure out why he's in pain. Uh, he says, uh, the Guild of Calamitous Intent in 1969, the Guild of Calamitous Intent enacted an addendum to Article 47 of the Unusual Torture Act, also known as Rusty's Law. We'll find out later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the monarch says he has a copy of the guild book in his glove compartment. He's going to go and check to make sure that this is a real thing before he lets anyone go. Cut to and, and I like this, the concept of this. They've referenced it a couple times before, but we haven't really gotten into anything about it but this guild of calamitous intent i like that there are people who have agreed to a set of rules about what is and is not acceptable for these like villains or whatever they call themselves Mm. i like i like that everybody's in agreement about playing the same bad guy game hey 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 rules are rules so uh i want to bring up some notes from the book so this was an episode written by doc hammer and Doc Hammer points out that this episode, along with several others throughout the series, does this thing which the creators think is really ingenious and funny. It says, quote, all the cool shit happens off screen, and what we show them doing is the laundry. It starts off with a presidential time machine, like the coolest yeah. thing in the world, but the episode itself is about what they have to do during a bureaucratic break where they have to wait and hold. Yeah, yes, yes, okay. Yeah, That. I mean, that... Grover Cleveland's presidential time machine. It looks like a like a bureau. Yeah, it's like um, a, a big chest. It has a carved head of, and then it has like a head. Grover so it's Cleveland like on top. It's like the time machine is Grover Cleveland? Question mark. Yeah, I don't know, and it's it's very steampunky too. It's like you know pipe, <laughs> pipes and whistles coming off of it. They mentioned two uh, notes from the book. That, uh, yes, the guild has all these whacked out rules that allow this grand adventure they're on, this, this you know, time machine and tied up and piranhas. Uh, they have rules that can say everything can stop and freeze just because, like, you know, someone one time had this issue and we don't want that issue to happen again. So if this happens again, everyone has to stop and calm down a second because there are rules here. I wrote in my notes that uh, I don't like playing uh, card games with my siblings because of like hidden, <laughs> hidden rules like this. Like uh, mm-hmm. so much when we're like together for family events, they're all like, let's play 500. And 500 has to do with like maintaining suits and like, you know, bid- bidding and all this stuff. And I always get it confused because I don't like playing card games. And it's always the same thing where like, I'm like, okay, I've got these cards and I think I can run. Uh, this thing and i'll put down these two and then i can win the game and then i'll put down the two cards and all my students are like oh no no you can't do that now why not well because you chose spades and that's a, that's a club now you can't do that well you never explained to me oh it's in the bylaws like you should know it if you play this game enough like i don't play it enough i don't remember <laughs> these things so fuck you i hate this game i'm never playing it again 
Oh my gosh. Uh, between me and Adam and his family, uh, we all play games and a bunch of our friends. But the problems come between Adam and uh, his family and me playing. He is the worst. Um, like for what game is it? Skippo. He will I've not. Heard of this. You have to he will it not ever lay down a one because he won't ever lay down a one until he has then a bunch of cards that he can lay down on top of it. Mm-hmm. Because he's like, why would I help you all? And we're like, well, by laying down a one, if I have a two, then it comes back to you and you have three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Then that is helping you. And he's like, or I could just wait for my own two and I will only lay down cards that only help me. So then we play and it takes forever because he's hoarding every single number one. He's got all 12 number ones. And so that is one of the many games that me and his family refuse to play with him. It sounds like, uh, I guess, what sign is he, is Adam? Is he a Capricorn? Do you know? No, he's an Aries. Okay, those are two very similar uh, signs. <laughs> My brother's a Capricorn, and they're very much just like, gotta win at any cost. Like, I remember playing video games with him, and he would, like, find the glitch that allows you to win every time. It's like, dude, we're, we're playing a fighting game, and you're doing the one move that I can't block, and this fucking sucks. Like, can we yeah. not do that and, like, have fun together? No, well, no, because yeah. then, then I won't be winning. Yes, it is exactly that. And it's like, especially like with that Skippo thing, and I mean, technically with the glitch thing, it's like, it's not against the rules, mm-hmm. but it's also explicitly against the spirit of the game. Exactly. Oh, the spirit of game, that's, that's, <laughs> that's where the fun is. Sorry, so, did that stress you out? It sounded like that, even just thinking about playing card games with your family stressed you out. It's it's the worst <laughs> because like I would love to play games with them, but it always like, is like, oh no, don't you remember there's that little thing where like you can't do that? Well, no, I didn't remember it and that's ruined my strategy for this entire game and fuck you. Mm-hmm. Yep, it sure does. Uh, okay, now that I've vented about playing <laughs> 500. We are back from the credits, and we see that the monarch has untied the family and has agreed to let everyone go for 48 hours as is stipend by this rule so they can go and figure out what's wrong with Dean. He does insist on keeping Brock as collateral. Brock says, well, I'm a bodyguard, so I'm not going to just leave my family. So instead, the monarch grabs Hank and forces Brock to stay in order to guard him. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I like that when we are now inside the uh, giant flying butterfly uh, Monarch also says something about he only, he only joined the guild to get like dental and partial health coverage. I thought that was funny. Oh, I get, missed that. <laughs> he only gets partial health, like not even full health coverage, but he gets full dental, which is good. This is America. But yes, they're in this giant kind of actual flying butterfly where the wings of the ship actually go up and down like butterfly wings. I thought that was like neat. Mm-hmm. Uh, thing. Very cute. And uh, Hank is reading through this guild book and discovers a. Uh, that sure enough, the rule that Rusty brought up is known as Rusty's Law. And the monarch explains that this is because it was written for Rusty when he was a little kid, uh, which is why he knew all about it. It says his dad, uh, he says, your dad's dad sure did a number on him. Uh, and then the monarch wishes that he had been uh, able to fight Dr. Jonas Venture himself because he was such a pro and like such a great super scientist. Like, oh, wouldn't it have been great to like arch that guy? Yeah, I found that a very interesting, very quick little bit. The two two things, both of what you just said. First is that even the monarch sees that like Rusty's dad was like a piece of work to Rusty. So is he like a terrible dad or did he like 
use his kid as bait a lot or like what's up with that i wonder they talk about it actually i was gonna bring up that's notes uh from the book here jackson public uh says that his favorite uh joke from this book is the rusty's law bit because it's essentially a child protection law uh and that rusty was patient zero for a lot of this crap he had to go through uh but it says uh jonas his father wasn't the first guy to drag his kid into this kind of shit he says there were other boy adventurers boy adventurers were a thing in this universe so like yeah, it was just a matter of like his dad brought him along on these adventures like you would with Johnny Quest. Like Johnny Quest didn't go to school or anything. He just went on these wacky adventures with his dad, same as Rusty. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, you know, there were no rules to protect that. Well, the guild had rules to protect the adults. I'm sure there were little kids being torn asunder or yeah, <laughs> tortured or whatever, uh, used as bait. But yeah, basically saying that yeah, that his, his father, we, we saw evidence of it when he was... um forcing him to like be a test dummy for the the rides for Brisbyland. like his dad oh, didn't, yeah. didn't love him that much that he, he protected him from that stuff he's like uh you're another tool in my toolkit yeah the other thing was the second part of what you just said i think that the monarch's line exactly was i wish i was old enough to have hated him when he was alive yes. which is a sentiment i identify with so deeply I wish I was old enough to have hated him when he was alive. There's just so many dead people that are like, God, I wish I wish I could have hated you while you were still here. It's like the opposite of <laughs> like when when people know they're gonna die and then like like on the nine eleven planes, like when they called their loved ones to say I love you, like that was their last thing. Mm-hmm. This is like the opposite of that. Like I wish I could go back in time to hate you to your living corporeal body. Could I get an example? <laughs> I'm curious. So who in history, you're just like, ooh, I want to punch him in the mouth? Oh, I mean, just like most white male leaders at any point in time. That's fair. Yeah, totally yeah. fair. I can't say I have got enough hate for anybody, but I mean, yeah, there were a few like, you know, dictators and disgusting people who were like, yeah, I, I could kick you in the nuts and be happy about it. Uh, Hank laments that he never got the chance to meet his grandfather nor his mm-hmm. mother. And then the monarch uh, kind of says, well, Hank, I, I've got news to tell you. You, so Your mother is someone you've already met. And your father's not actually your father because, Hank, I am your real father. <laughs> At which Hank, no, that's not true. That's impossible. Uh, and then, of course, the monarch says, psych, you totally believe me. <laughs> I I do like whatever this childish like teasing of an actual child is. I don't. Well, it, it's, it's obviously like a, a throwback to uh, Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. I just love that he says psych. Were you, were you too young to remember when kids said psych? Oh no, I definitely said psych for sure. <laughs> oh my god, that was yeah, that was great school all over the place. Psych. Uh, we cut to Brock in the back of the Monarch's flying mobile. He's there with henchmen 21 and 24 who are very much kind of becoming more and more part of the show through this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, 21 is just sitting there eating a frozen dinner. 24 is holding a gun to Brock's head uh, threateningly, which Brock's like, do you have to hold that so close? And then the guy eating his food's like, yeah, it's not even loaded anyway. Why, why are you bothering? <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love it. Why would you even say that? And that uh, guy, I don't know that guy's name, but I instantly know who it is. Oh, it, it, he's definitely doing a Ray Romano voice, yes. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, if it's who I think it is, it like he just, uh, he sort of looks like a Ray Romano, and he also sounds like 
like a knockoff. He is a knockoff Ray Romano. Totally. Uh, it's just, it, that's voiced by Jackson Public and then the other one, uh, 21. Oh, is it? Voiced, yeah. So Jackson Public, besides writing a lot of this stuff, does a lot of voices on the show. Uh, he does the voice of Hank. He does the voice of uh, like the pirate captain we met before. That was Jackson Public. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And then 21 and 24 are Jackson and Doc Hammer. But then that, same with Billy Quizboy and Pete White. That's also Jackson as uh, Pete White and Doc Hammer as Billy Quizboy. Oh, let me find this guy because it's going to kill me because I used to know his name and he's just a character actor. And I think he's sometimes in like uh, Everybody Loves Raymond. Fred Stoller. Oh, I was I didn't remember his name, but yes, when once you say it, I was like, I think I know who you're talking about. Yes, uh, he's been on a few podcasts I've listened to. He he also has a great kind of East Coast nasally voice. Mm-hmm. Gosh, you're good at that. Yeah, totally. Okay, so it's good to know. It is not Fred Stoller. It is creator Jackson of the Pope. show. Yes. We then cut to Rusty and Dean, who are flying in the X1, trying to figure out what Dean's actual injury is. Rusty's asking all kinds of questions. He's like, do you have a hernia? No. Uh, were you roughhousing with your brother? No. Then he asks if he and his brother have been like inappropriately touching oh, each God, other, yeah. <laughs> like experimenting with like sex by like doing it with each other, which is just fucking gross. I'm sorry. Uh, the idea that he would even like think that was an option. I don't know what is going on through Rusty's head. Well, I mean, get, you know, it's important to, ask but also it's important to have established before this moment that that is not okay but i mean i guess i'm glad he asked it's the next line of questioning that really made me write down my note i hate rusty so much is what i have written yeah so then rusty starts asking if he's been fooling around with triana the girl next door saying he doesn't like the way she dresses that he uh you know thinks that she you know maybe a loose girl or something if this is what he is kind of insinuates then he asks if uh, he, he says she looks like she might be on dope and then he makes a, <laughs> an assumption he jumps to and says dean are you shooting dope into your scrotum yeah i just hate him is all yeah uh to which dean exclaims i don't know what happened it felt like somebody kicked me in the rocks and never took their foot away yeah, and I, whenever this happened, like, I remembered that you said last week that there was something, like, about his testicles or whatever, but I had already forgotten what you said it was, so I was just like, God, yeah, what is this? What's going on? That, oh, it hurts me, and I don't even have those parts. Uh, yeah, my girlfriend's asked before, like, you know, what is that feeling akin to, and I say, it's probably akin to what it feels like when you guys have menstrual cramps, because it is, like, not that your testicles feel sore. It's up in your abdomen. It's just like it really hurts. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I imagine it's a similar feeling because they're essentially the same part, just different due to chromosomes. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, Rusty explains that in order to find out what the problem is, he has to palpate the area, uh, being Dean's genitals. Dean objects. Uh, Rusty threatens to have Helper do it with his nasty steel claws. Uh, but then Dean really insists that they get a doctor. Rusty being cheap, though, and... My guess is not actually having health insurance. He doesn't go to a hospital. He instead calls his friends. Yeah. It sounds like if the monarch only has partial health insurance, then I'm sure that Dr. Venture also only has partial health insurance. Probably so. Uh, So we cut to a trailer that says conjectural technologies and a big neon sign on top. And we see that this is where Pete White and Billy Quizboy live together. Uh, I love that Pete is playing Grand Theft Auto while B- Billy is trying to unplug their toilet. 
And did you catch what he said? This is such a nasty description of a toilet. I was just like, I sure did catch it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a bucket full of payday chocolate bars or something like that. Exactly that, yes. <laughs> Don't you ever flush? It's like a bucket full of payday bars in there. Then- yeah, this just very much made me confused about whatever their relationship is. <laughs> they, as far as I know, because like they bring it up later on, they're both straight. Uh, they're just good friends who went into business together. Uh, Pete's mm, okay. much more of a computer guy. Billy is uh, much more of a scientist and a, a medical surgeon. Mm-hmm. And then I'm not sure if this was clear in the episode we first saw Billy in, uh, which was Ice Station Impossible. It's much more visible in this episode that Billy has a metal hand for his left yeah. hand. Yeah. That's, I didn't notice that in the other episode, but I did notice it in this one. Yeah. Uh, his mechanical metal hand. I won't say much more than that, but like just, it's something that is, has to be pointed out because it comes out later on, of course, in many more episodes. Mm-hmm. Billy gets a phone call from Rusty who explains they needed to help solve a problem with Dean. Uh, we then cut back to Hank and the Monarch finally landing at their uh, giant cocoon, which we learn is located <laughs> in the middle of the Grand Canyon. In the middle of the Grand Canyon. I love that journey that we went on with the Monarch in this, where he's like listing all these obscure like hard to find places like nobody's gonna look here and then it turns out <laughs> yep right in the middle of the grand canyon okay great thanks yeah he's like we fly only by radar so that not even i know where it's located it could be on the moon or in the deepest sea hey we're in the grand canyon or we could be in the grand canyon where everyone can <laughs> see it <laughs> i love that hank is reading through the guild of kilometers intent book uh looking at different super villains he says oh this guy's got mechanical cheetahs and Monocars. Yeah, that's the Zoo Creeper. I love the fun names they've got for these characters. The Zoo Creeper. And then uh, Monarch's like, well, hey, w- what does it say about me in the book? And Hank looks and sees that the Monarch's not even listed. He's not important enough to be listed in the book. Or it's an old edition. Who knows? I'm assuming it's an old edition because from what we learn later on, the Monarch's been doing this for like maybe five years. Oh. He's not been at this for a long time. Uh-huh. Well, maybe it's five to 10 years, but it's not very long. Maybe he has yeah. a much older edition of the book, uh, but they land. And uh, we learned that it's the monarch's birthday because the henchmen all surprise him so much so that he immediately shoots one of the guys in the forehead with one of his uh, wrist darts. I'm assuming the guy is now dead. I also assumed that. Have you ever been to a surprise party? That, like was it a successful surprise party or was it like a dud? Like, Oh, they already knew they were, you were going to be there. I don't know the answer to that. I've definitely been to a surprise party and I think that it was a surprise, but there's, you know, there's no real way to tell if they actually, because of course they're going to pretend like they're surprised. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I've only been to one, but like it was one of those things like we, we had to park our cars like, you know, way far away so that they wouldn't see our cars in front of their house and all of that kind of stuff. It was cute. I don't want a surprise party, but. No. Uh, It's my, my birthday's coming up on Sunday. Uh, Luckily due to the COVID, no one can come over. Uh, But yeah, (laughs) if someone like gave me a surprise birthday party, but like, no, no, thank you. My my birthdays never turn out great. Oh well, I mean, there've certainly been some good ones, but there have been some bad ones too. I was going to bring that up actually once we get to uh, his, you know, kind of bad birthday. I was to say, did you ever have a a bad birthday? Uh, oh my gosh, did I ever? When I was in preschool, so it was the year before kindergarten. So I guess I was like, f- I turned five, I think. 
Um, or maybe I turned four. I don't know. I had a birthday party and for my invitations, my mom had all this cute stationery that we were going to write the invitation on, like, you know, as opposed to just buying stuff with like it printed on it. We're going to write the information on it. But I, being an independent child, had to write it myself. I couldn't let her write it. And I was like four or five. So my handwriting was illegible. Mm -hmm. And so I gave all the invitations to everybody in my preschool class. And the only person who came to my party from my preschool class was the one person who got the invitation that my mom had written as like my example because nobody else could read the invitations. So it was a literal, it's my party. I can cry if I want to. Nobody except my family and the one person with the legible invitation came to my birthday party. And I was uh, devastated. That is terrible. <laughs> I only ever had like one actual birthday party where like other kids came because there's five kids in my family. So it was just basically like, Tonight we're having like whatever meal you want and here's mm-hmm. a cake and here's your presents. Like I had one time had a party, which was fine. But my worst birthday was my 12th birthday because uh, it just was like people were really busy that year. And so like my sister like had a thing. My mom had to take her to dad had to work late and no one had made me a cake. Uh, oh. And like earlier in the day too, like I got a new pair of tennis shoes uh, that were these like air walks that I, at the mm. time I didn't, I didn't know were like skater shoes. I had like a big, like rubber toe with like extra rubber. So like, you know, if you're doing ollies and stuff, your shoe doesn't wear through. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know that's what they were there for. I just thought they looked cool. And mm-hmm. someone's like, you got these skater shoes, you know, a skater and like made fun of me. And then someone else like oh, no. said they were like clown shoes, which made me like upset. And I was like crying at like age oh, 12 no. in school. Oh, it was the worst. Like, not only had, like, I been made fun of to the point of crying about my birthday present that I was excited about, I then mm-hmm. came home to no birthday cake, which I oh. <laughs> tried to make one myself, and it got ruined. <laughs> oh, no. That was a bad uh. birthday. That was a bad birthday. The monarch then kind of leaves the surprise party, goes to see Dr. Girlfriend. Uh, she's in their boudoir wearing purple underwear and a large purple bow as a top. Honestly, very cute. Oh, yeah. A would, big, ginormous bow as just like a, a, a strapless top. Mm-hmm. So cute. That is my fashion pick of the week. Oh, nice. I'll make sure to save that for that episode. And she's singing, for he's a sexy good fellow, <laughs> for he's a sexy good fellow. Yeah, Jolly's not good enough for his birthday. No. And then, uh, then the monarch comes and says, well, I brought some people home, to which Dr. Girlfriend sees that it's Brock and Hank. And she says, well, I'm open to the big muscular guy, but the boy is just too young. Can't we just use the puppet again? <laughs> I'm glad that she said no to that. <laughs> Don't want to know what the puppet is. That's fine. But I'm glad somebody has some boundaries. Yeah. I've never been in a threesome, but I, one time, this was, this is so silly, met up with a girl and she was like, oh my, I have a boyfriend, but he is like living in another city right now. So like, we're like kind of open. I'm like, okay, cool. So it's like our second date. I go to her place. We're about to have sex. And she's like, hey, so I need to like tell my boyfriend I'm going to be having sex with you. I'm like, okay, as long as he's cool with that, that's fine with me. And she's like, and is it cool if he like watches on Skype? And I was like... (laughs) As long as, he's, uh, as long as he's muted, 
Let's fucking go for it. So, <laughs> well, I haven't been in a threesome. I did have sex once with a girl while her boyfriend watched us on Skype. Wow. I've yeah. not done anything of the sort. I have no uh, comparable stories. And I have no shame, so. <laughs> a little last minute switcheroo, but you are game. Yeah. Uh, I was like, well, ah, we're. sure. I was in my 20s still. I didn't care. Mm. Yeah, whatever. Uh, Brock asks if they can get a room so they can sleep. Uh, the monarch says he, of course, treats all of his pr- prisoners with dignity and grace, to which uh, uh, Hank is like, hey, last time I was here, I was in a stinky old jail cell. So what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. I remember uh, that also, Hank. Oh, yeah. And then uh, the monarch's like, well, Hank, last time you were here, you also broke my heart. So we're even. Yeah. <laughs> which this episode, I was glad when the monarch was in the cold open because I do think that I might like the monarch as a character. Um, and as this episode goes on, even with that little line where it's like, yeah, he's got a heart. He shows concern. He has some empathy. I think that I might like the monarch. He's got passion. You know, yeah, monarch's a cool guy. Again, he may be the villain, but he's not necessarily a bad guy. Yeah, I mean, he's infinitely more likable than Rusty. For sure. Uh, speaking of Rusty, we now cut back to see uh, that Pete White and Billy Quizboy are now on uh, in the same location as Rusty and Dean. I can only assume they're at uh, the Venture Compound. Uh, but of course, they're trying to get Dean to take his pants off so they can examine him. And Dean insists that he won't do it unless his dad is not looking. Understandable. He makes his dad go behind a sheet. And then Billy walks up and is like, okay, now let's take your pants off. I don't want to show my junk to a little kid. <laughs> At which point I was like, oh, shit, is he a boy? Isn't his name something about being a boy? So yeah. So, and then they quickly address yeah, it, thankfully. The, but yeah. I, didn't, I even forgot to write down, but earlier on when they call, uh, Billy picks up the phone and says, Master Billy Quiz Boy, boy genius. And uh, so Rusty assures Dean that Billy is not a kid, but just a man with a growth hormone deficiency and a speech impediment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for a second there, I, I was a little freaked out. No. Yeah, I think uh, we discover he's, he's also like maybe a few years younger than Rusty. I might guess his, Rusty's 43. Billy's probably like 35. Yeah, because he's also got a pretty wrinkly little face there. Yeah. Maybe even like 40. Who knows? Oh, and then I wrote this down because, so I, as far as like being awkward and getting a physical, I remember having to get a physical last minute, not from my regular doctor, but from just like a doctor at a clinic when I was going Mm -hmm. to Boy Scout camp. And I was like 11 years old and it was a female doctor, which I'd never experienced before. And she was attractive. And it was the very first time I'd ever had a doctor like do a hernia check, which involves like touching my genitals and so i was Mm -hmm. very like nervous about this woman touching my junk understandably i remember on those forms for the physical that like you had to like turn in if you wanted to play sports at school or whatever i think it was like i want to say it was like question number 23 was specifically about like something about a hernia touching testicles how many testicles do you have or something like that Hmm. because you know immature kids see the word testicle on a piece of paper and that is funny oh sure i mean uh, balls are funny no matter what age you are we cut to the next day uh hank and brock are being escorted to the throne room uh where one of the henchmen is taking them is just assuming that they're there for the monarch's birthday and for no other reason because <laughs> the henchmen are idiots and don't know anything that's going on mm-hmm. uh the monarch welcomes them and says you know welcome to the uh you know place where all my planning and action uh, happens um but we quickly learn that 
with nothing to do as far as taking rest taking revenge on Rusty, <laughs> the Monarch and his crew have nothing at all to do. They're super mm-hmm. bored, like scratching their heads when they're not trying to arch Dr. Venture. Yeah. Which, I mean, is sort of just plays into my question. And then I think Brock even asks, it's like, what is your deal? Like, why is this? Like, don't you, why are you so focused on Dr. Venture? Yeah. Brock says something Which like, we don't get an answer, but. Oh, we almost, until much later in seasons like we have no idea why the monarch hates dr venture so much like it's still a question like even in season seven why does he hate this guy so much we don't really know uh but yeah the brock is saying you know well why don't you try taking over the world or doing something like that and the monarch basically says that that's a fool's errand like why would i do that when i have (laughs) this beautiful man to take down first Mm -hmm. Uh, which i agree that is a fool's errand yeah (laughs) Everybody wants to rule the world. Sorry, Tears for Fears, you're wrong. I don't know why anybody would want to do that. Yeah. Uh, But now Billy has figured out exactly what's going on with Dean. He has acute testicular torsion, uh, which means that his balls have twisted around each other. And they say uh, that it's uh, cases that happen in one in 4,000 for men under the age of 25, and that it's a genetic disorder, which then Rusty mumbles under his breath that he could have fixed this in the prototype phase. And uh, this is another, another hint that the boys are clones because he's saying, like, you know, he could have fixed their genetics before anything else, before they were born or whatever. He's like, oh, I could have fixed this. Mm-hmm. What a dick. Yeah. Not but to be it, confused with Dean's testicles. Dick and testicles, very different. Although mm-hmm. kind of one thing, but not. We're back again on the cocoon, and we now see henchmen's 21 and 24 arguing over <laughs> whether or not Smurfs lay eggs or that Smurfette gives birth to all the other Smurfs. <laughs> Interesting thoughts. Uh, hadn't thought about it before, but uh, yeah, I mean, worth it's worth arguing over to me. And now, so this sounded familiar to me. I'm like, where else have I heard someone arguing about this? And then like someone gives like a very matter of fact answer. And I just kind of searched uh, Smurfette eggs discussion. And it came up was this, the Venture Brothers, mm-hmm. and then Donnie Darko. The scene in Donnie Darko where like his two mm. friends are arguing about whether or not they like lay eggs or whatever, or if, if Smurfette like is getting pounded all day, I think. And yeah. uh, <laughs> Donnie's like, Smurfette doesn't have sex. Papa Smurf didn't create Smurfette. Gargamel did. Uh, I, I wrote this quote down. She was sent in as Gargamel's evil spy with the intention of destroying the Smurf village, but the overwhelming goodness of the Smurf way of life transformed her. End quote. Hmm. And Interesting. I, was, I was like, well, this episode came out years after Donnie Darko. So I wonder if they mm-hmm. took that from there. Um, I can only assume they did. But it's also just one of those things that like kids, I'm sure, just argued back in the day. Like, you know. Yeah, which yeah. is why it's like, yeah, this is might as well have a discussion over it. It's like that great scene in uh, Stand By Me where they're sitting around the fire and the boys are like, so Mickey's a mouse, Donald's a duck. But then, Don, but then Mickey has the, his dog Pluto. So what the fuck is Goofy? Yeah. I I mean, I personally think that it's like an evolutionary, like somehow Goofy is more of an evolved dog than Pluto, which is wild because Goofy is the goofiest. For sure. But yeah, like, you know, it, it you know, wolves still exist, but then so do Dachshund hounds. They're all from the same thing way, exactly. way back. Exactly. These are the important topics. 
but I did actually ch- confirm with Wikipedia that sure enough, Gargamel did create Smurfette. Uh, initially, her hair was mm. black like Gargamel's, but after uh, her transformation to goodness, uh, Papa Smurf did a spell where her hair is now blonde. So we know she's now good. Oh, that's a whole episode even. I thought that was like a backstory that they had created. So Interesting. That, that information was, I guess, because the Smurfs before was an animated series, I guess, was a comic strip. And this creation of Smurfette was from the comics, it said. Oh, okay. Or maybe it was comic books. I don't know. But it was, it was not the cartoon they had. That. It, was, it was comics, it said. I'm so glad we're getting to the bottom of these things. Yeah. You know, who, who the fuck is Smurfette and what the fuck's her deal? What's her deal? And what's hey. the monarch's deal? What's the monarch's deal? Uh, we now learn that Dean has to have emergency surgery. Otherwise, he could lose both of his testicles. Billy says, if they wait, that beach ball you're packing down there can't afford that. Because if they wait, the testicles will suffocate and go into atrophy and become like black little raisins, they say. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to mention that last year, around this time, I had a hernia surgery. And it was a uh, laparoscopic surgery where they, again, had to like make a few incisions and put a camera inside along with two little arms. But in order for the camera to see what it's doing, they have to blow air into my abdomen. And so then like when they're done, they kind of push out as much air as they can. But they told me before going in, they're like, unfortunately, we're not going to get all the air out and it's going to go straight into your ball sack. (laughs) And so I had like this stretched and inflated scrotum for like a week. And oh, it was like, it was, deep purple and bruised and oh my god my balls were so sore after this hernia surgery you have no idea but then the air eventually got out somehow also eventually yeah it just like worked its way out of my body somehow but yeah oh my gosh the most i don't understand science at all no when he he was like when he said that beach ball i was like oh my god my poor balls last year Billy says to Pete that he he should shave Dean's area, to which Dean says, oh, you have to shave that? I just grew those. Yeah, that is is sad. Was growing pubic hair and your kind of growing up a a sign of you like, you know, reaching maturity or was it something else for girls? For for boys, for sure, it was like, yeah, man, you're growing your dick hair, I think. No, of course not. Because even still, even adult women are not supposed to have hair on their body anywhere except on their head for some disgusting reason. So, and especially because I was um, like a swimmer, Mm. the thought of like having to shave my pubic area in order to continue wearing a swimsuit without my pubes sticking out was just one of the many horrid things of going through puberty as a girl. Yeah, I can imagine that being a nasty thing to deal with. Yeah. yeah, um, But yeah, for for me, I remember like when my friend advanced more than me, I was like, fuck, he's got a full goddamn bush. I don't have fucking shit. (laughs) I was also a late bloomer though. So, you know, no offense to those who came early. I honestly think it's precious that um, boys think of all of the things of going through puberty as like, yeah, man, I really want those fucking pubes. I think it's just like, wow, he has a full goddamn bush and I have nothing. That's he's ahead of me. Uh, then suddenly uh, the monarch gets a distress call from 21 and 24. Uh, before when they were discussing the Smurfs, uh, there was a third henchman kind of hanging out around in the background. And uh, we suddenly saw like this like black image kind of running around behind them. And then suddenly that guy gets taken out, we see. And so the two guys are calling in saying, I think it was two ninjas taped together. No, it was a giant <laughs> spider. So I'm crawling up the walls. 
And I was thoroughly confused as to what they were talking about, because I guess I must have been like writing down a note or something. Uh, but we learn that Brock is now attacking the cocoon. Uh, of of course. course, the monarch then steps into high gear. He's like, I will get you, Brock Samson. You go down to this place. You start pumping gas into the air vents. Uh, but then what we see and the henchmen don't see is that he quickly says, hey, Brock, thank you. <laughs> and Brock kind of gives us knowing smile. Like he, he saw the monarch was having a shitty birthday. So he's like, I'm going to cheer this guy up. I give him something to do. I'm going to fuck his house up. <laughs> oh, okay. I get it. Yeah, that whole that whole sequence I didn't get. But that that is, see, Brock and the monarch are just, they got heart, you know? Yeah, he he gives him this knowing smile. Like, he says, thank you, Brock. And Brock gives him a smile. Like, don't you worry, buddy. I got you. So sweet. Uh, we then have this great montage of Brock killing all sorts of henchmen while Dean is simultaneously having his surgery. Mm-hmm. I love that we see that Rusty is not, like, patiently waiting outside the surgery room. He's eating a sandwich and watching TV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they cut to him doing that twice, I think. Yes, they sure do. <laughs> uh, I love the gag where we see uh, Billy is, like, you know, scalpel, and Pete puts the scalpel... <laughs> blade first right into the palm of his hand i was just like that's gotta hurt so much just stab him right in the palm yeah the surgery is finished now uh, billy uh sorry pete compliments billy on a job well done and asks if the knot he used to tie the stitches is a sheep shank he's like what is that a sheep shank yeah it's my signature i didn't know that he was talking about the stitches i thought he was talking about like his tubes or something i don't know like his veins i did not realize he was talking about tying the stitches and i was like are the if his testicles were just twisted, are they supposed to be tied up? Because I don't think that that's helpful. <laughs> I love that you thought that he tied those nuts together. <laughs> that's what I thought that he did. Uh, but no, he's referring to the stitches, which uh, I, having had stitches, I was like, yeah, that's for stitches. But I did look up. Makes I was like, so much more now, sense. Uh, the sheep shank knot. I was like, now let's see what that knot is because there are all kinds of knots used for all kinds of things. Now I was like, what is a sheep shank for? So this is funny because a shank is a type of knot that is used to shorten a rope or just simply take up slack. It's called the sheep shank. It's just, it's just to kind of keep loose rope together. It says the sheep shank mm. knot is not a stable knot. It will fall apart under too much or too little pressure. So it would be a terrible <laughs> knot to use in order to keep your fucking stitches closed. That is a very bad knot for that. Yeah. I thought that I was just like, <laughs> why would he use a sheep shank? And then I read what it was. I was like, wow, why the hell would he use that? It's a terrible knot for that. I, well, I think that he said pretty explicitly that this is not his area of expertise, but... Oh, yeah, that he's much more <laughs> like a, a brain surgeon, but he still yeah. doesn't know how to do stitches. Come on. Yeah, you would hope. We cut back to the cocoon, and we see uh, that Hank is sitting on the monarch's throne, and he's now wearing one of the henchmen's uniforms, because uh, we skipped over this earlier, but when they had first woken up, uh, Hank complained that he had to sleep in his clothes last night and he's wearing the same outfit two days in a row and he feels gross. So like they go and get him some new clothes. But I love also that Monarch's like, are you kidding me? I've only seen you wear that one outfit ever. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Doesn't mean I don't wash it. It's just got a closet full of identical clothes, which I think is a bit from Doug, but I don't remember. Oh, I've never seen Doug. <gasps> It's a great show. I didn't have cable. Hank is like seeing some kind of screen and informing the monarch that Brock is, of course, kicking ass all over the place. Uh, he asks if he can wear the monarch's crown, to which monarch's like, oh, I'd, I'd do that, but it's, it's pinned to my cowl. It's kind of hard to get off. I somehow think that Hank knows that this is all for fun at this point and that Brock is like just 
taking things apart because he also kind of has like he's not scared and he's like just like hanging out mm-hmm. with the monarch like oh man brock's totally winning yeah it de- it definitely seems like hank is either in on it or so completely oblivious and he's just so trusting of brock that there's no reason for him to be concerned whatsoever i but think he my- does seem like he's having just a very comfortable time. Yeah, like like he and the monarch at this point, like he again, he's sitting on the monarch's throne, and the monarch's just like <laughs> letting him chill. So I, I think he's just like they're all kind of having fun, even though people are dying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we see Not them people th- minions henchmen henchmen henchmen. Yeah, that's yeah. what they're called. Yeah. Although he, the monarch does say minions, he does say minions from time to time. Oh, okay. Minions. Uh, we see Brock then break into Doctor Girlfriend's chamber. I forgot to write down the book she was reading, but uh, she was reading a book this time, and I wish I had written down what it was. Do you know what it, it was? was something about good and evil. It was something, something good and evil. Yeah. I, I, I made a note. So I was like, oh, that's a famous book I've heard of but never read, and then I didn't write it actually down. Oh, was it? Because I read it and was like, those are just generic words. That is not a real thing. It was a very like, lackluster title. Mm. Uh, but of course, then she uh, is sitting in bed in her lingerie and, oh, I know what you hate to do. So be quick with it if you must. And Brock's <laughs> like, well, I, I wasn't really considering that. Why not? I don't know. I just wasn't. Well, I'm not going to beg you for it. She is thirsty. Girl is thirsty. But at the same time, you're like, yeah, if, if you, a man like Brock, who's legendarily good in bed, came into your room, you're just like, yeah, come on, Brock. Let's do it. I love that his response, because so much of what we have seen of Brock is, yeah, him just, like, fucking some ladies, that he's like, oh, it I literally didn't even occur to me, and no. <laughs> and I, I, I'm i not sure if it's just, like, him saying, like, no, but later on in other episodes, uh, someone else brings up, like, how attractive Dr. Girlfriend is, and he, he Brock, is one who's suspect, like, come on. With that voice, she totally was a dude before. Like, that's why, I, I think that maybe that's why he doesn't find her attractive. He, he's suspect that she once was a man. Ah, he's a transphobe. Maybe. Maybe, maybe. They bring it up later on that he, he's questioning her, her origins. Yeah, which would make sense if um, it, that would be a reason why it wouldn't have occurred to him. Yeah. So then Dean makes up from his surgery and uh, everyone's there to kind of say hello. Dr. Orpheus is there, helper. Pete White, Billy, and Triana are all there to wish him a good recovery. Dr. Orpheus gives him a Zuni fetish doll. Yeah, a fetish doll. So I'll I'll bring something up once we get through this little (laughs) list here. Um, Billy says he hooked him up with the quote-unquote complete package, which I don't know what that means. They never explain what that means. Um, (laughs) Helper gives him an unfrozen freezy pop. Uh, Pete gives him his shaved pubic hair in an envelope. Like mm-hmm. I, I remember, my my baby book. My mom has like my first haircut clippings, like in an envelope in there. Mm-hmm. Same. And then uh, Triana just asks him if this is the most humili- humili- Just asks him if this is the most humiliating. I can't say the word humiliating. <laughs> Fuck. Do you want me to say this part for you? And then Triana asks him if this is the most humiliating moment of his life. Thank you. Oh my god. <laughs> Some words I just can't get out. Uh, to which, of course, Dean says, yes, it is. Uh, but so the Zuni fetish doll is directly taken from a 1970s made-for-TV movie called Trilogy of Terror, starring Karen Black. 
so I only okay. I've only seen still images of this thing, but I knew it existed because I I've seen Karen Black and stuff, and I've seen her on IMDb, and a bunch of her IMDb photos are like her and this little Zuni fetish doll, like attacking her in her apartment. It's, it's like little, little wooden doll that's like come to life and it's like trying to kill her with its little spear. I mean, does the word fetish mean something different than what I think the word fetish means? Because that is such a weird thing to call something. Yeah, I mean, I would assume maybe it's like another thing for fertility. But in the in the movie Trilogy of Terror, which is like a, you know, anthology of shorts where Karen Black is the protagonist in each one. Uh, it's the same thing. It's called a Zuni fetish doll. And it is the exact same design. Okay. Okay, second definition um, from Oxford. An inanimate object worshipped for its supposed magical powers or because it is considered to be inhabited by a spirit. So yes, it oh. is. it has a completely different second meaning. Wow. I had no idea. Way to go, Oxford. And thank you, Deanna, for Language getting us that info. Language is wild. My pleasure. But not a fetish pleasure. No, no, not with not with that doll. It's got sharp teeth. Fuck that. <laughs> In this economy, never. We cut back to the cocoon. Uh, Brock and now has Doctor Girlfriend held hostage with a knife to her throat. The monarch has Hank held hostage with a gun to his head, and they're in this great standoff until Rusty calls, and then everyone kind of stops and goes, "Oh shit!" As, as if like Dad's come home. We got to stop what we're doing. We, we got to play nice now. Yes, very cute. Uh, and so, yeah, like the monarch is covered in blood as are Brock and everyone else. Uh, so, so, yeah, suddenly the party's over and everyone has to go back to doing what they were doing, which is just sitting around being patient because <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're all supposed to be on timeout. Rusty says, is that blood all over you? This? No, it, this is just jelly. Mmm, yummy. And then, <laughs> yeah, he actually licks it. Dean kind of jumps in and says, hey, Hank, they shaved my pubes. I'm going to put them underneath my pillow for the tooth fairy. And I was like, Hank made this same joke last week about putting Rusty's shedded skin under their pillow. Like, these kids and the fucking tooth fairy. Well, I mean, who knows for them if they could be real, all the stuff that their dad comes up with. I'm sure that they are very confused about what is and is not real. Understandably so. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. If they've seen, you know, dinosaurs and all kinds of stuff, they're just like, yeah, I'm sure that exists too. Yep. I love that Hank asks, did the doctor see that creepy dog dork of yours? To which Rusty says that Hank shouldn't brag about his own circumcision. And I'm like, <laughs> who gets one of their kids circumcised and not the other one? Like, <laughs> what one. are you doing, Rusty? This whole exchange between Hank and Dean where they're just like chiming in while like the quote unquote adults are having a conversation over this video chat and then the, those two boys just like having their very personal brotherly conversation was so cute to me i love these ding dang dong boys they're just so sweet <laughs> uh so rusty is calling back to say no it's been 48 hours we figured out what's going on with dean so let's all go back to the amazon jungle because that was our arrangement now uh, we get back to the jungle we see that they're all tied up again once again dangling over the river the Time Machine is still sitting right there. The monarch starts to give his monologue again about the dreaded Kandiru, to which Rusty is like, come on, get on with it. Just as about they're going to cut the ropes, Hank now moans and goes, ooh, time out! <laughs> cut to credits. So much, uh, a very genital-heavy episode between the fish that swim up your urethra, <laughs> uh, which I don't know if those are real either, but... 
I, I did look this up. So the candiru is a fish uh, that lives in the rivers of the Amazon. Uh, it is, it's a common misconception that it will swim up your urethra while you're peeing and begin eating you from the inside. What it more so does is it swims up because it's a, it is a vampiric fish. It eats like blood and stuff, but it more mm-hmm. so will swim into the gills of other fish because they're very small. They will then like, because the gills are like very soft flesh, they'll pierce in there and like get their fill of blood from mm. other fish's gills and then leave. But no, they, that- I mean, getting into a urethra seems very unlikely. So that's good Good to know. And that's what it said on Wikipedia. It's like, these fish are so small and like the force of you urinating, they, there's no way they could swim upstream of that to get inside your urethra without you fucking knowing. <laughs> Little vampire salmon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so then after the credits, we uh, get a PSA about testicular torsion with the whole family doing their part. I love that we see uh, Hank's mouth moving while Dean's reading his lines and that it's very <laughs> obvious that everyone's reading off of a teleprompter. <laughs> yeah, I, I did like that bit, that uh, retro throwback PSA bit. Oh, yeah, because yeah, He-Man and like all those 80s cartoons had PSAs. Like any show that was like purely a commercial for selling stuff, G.I. Joe, He-Man always like had like a little segment at the end of the thing like, you know. This week, we learned that Orko is having trouble trusting each other. Now, if you don't trust your friends, who will you trust? Blah, blah, blah. We must learn <laughs> to listen to each other and have a nice week. And then, oh, have you seen those G.I. Joe uh, PSAs that like people like overdubbed? It was like a big YouTube thing way back when. It sort of sounds familiar, but I don't really recall anything specific. But it does sound familiar. I would just say Google like G.I. Joe funny PSAs. And there are some fantastic ones like uh, two boys like start a fire and someone comes in the room like you know, rather say like quickly children get out he's going get the fuck out of here kids god damn it it's a fucking fire get the fuck out uh so look out for those those are fun uh notes from the book doc hammer was the one who wrote this episode and he says uh he probably was out of ideas when he started writing the episode which is why it's so much about his own personal uh thing that happened to him when he had his own testicular torsion in his in his youth so he's like i'm out of ideas let's just put this in because i know all about this see that's one of those things where it's like yeah you're not out of ideas you don't have to invent from whole cloth artists writers creators i i uh i changed my mind from the beginning of our podcast i think that i did like this episode good good yeah um, but yeah, uh, it says here, quote, everything that Billy says to Dean is something that a real doctor said to me. Oh God, what did he say? Just like yeah, that, that thing about, about you know, uh, your, oh, like the beach ball won't the beach, take your beach it ball in. won't take it any longer. <laughs> and yeah, they're going to shrivel up and die and go into atrophy oh, and all this stuff. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, he doesn't say too many horrible things. So that's good. Uh, I'm, I'm just glad that I got my swollen balls in my past and i don't have to deal with that ever again. <laughs> god yeah i hope it doesn't come back or whatever i don't know how those things work Ooh, secondary hernia surgery here i come Ugh. uh diana do you have any other thing else you want to talk about before we leave the episode i don't think so wait yes i do real quick Go for uh it. there was a scene i think the end of the montage where uh brock was fighting the henchman and the monarch says, release the butterflies. Oh, yes. And then a bunch of butterflies just fall onto Brock, like dead, <laughs> dead yes. butterflies. Um, a couple years ago, RuPaul's Drag Race. Do you watch that show? 
I do not, but I do. I've seen parts of it, and I love RuPaul, so I probably should watch it. Um, it is a great show. But a couple years ago, in the finale of RuPaul's Drag Race, the finale they do a live show in front of a whole huge audience in a theater, and one of the drag queens that was in the top three fighting to be number one, she, her outfit was like all butterfly stuff. And she had like bracelets and like a necklace. And she had like on her boobs, like these flaps that she would open. And they Mm -hmm. were like little cages that were, that had butterflies in them, but she opened all of them. And just like this cartoon, (laughs) they were all dead. So she like opened all these things and just like dead butterflies came flopping onto the ground around her. And it was, oh my God, it was hilarious because it's supposed to be this whole big gag like, oh my God, this is amazing. But instead it was like, this is horrific Oh, that reminded me of that. That sounds absolutely amazing. It really uh, was. It also makes me think of um, another podcast, one of my favorites, How Did This Get Made, where they did a crossover episode with the James Bondney podcast. And they talk about the James Bond movie, A View to a Kill, in which in the movie, James Bond goes to like a restaurant and this woman is doing like this butterfly show where like she's like standing on the edge of the stage and like someone's playing music and she's like whistling. And these like little fans start blowing up like little paper butterflies and like people in like balconies are putting like butterflies on like fishing line, like to come out and like, you know, mm-hmm. swing around her. And in the podcast, uh, one of the hosts, June Diane Ray feels like this is a very unimpressive show because wouldn't it have been nice to like have like live butterflies, like trained butterflies. Wouldn't that be cool? And everyone's like, yeah, that would be cool. Except that's fucking impossible. So <laughs> yeah, like, what do you expect them to do? Of course they're yeah. fake. <laughs> yeah. As we can see, both in this cartoon and in RuPaul's Drag Race, you cannot train those butterflies. Uh, nor keep them alive <laughs> for very long. Because he's like... Yeah, that's the real problem. <laughs> Who forgot to feed the butterflies? Uh, yeah, I don't know what the deal was with... Uh, the drag queen's butterflies, but they were dead. <laughs> now I want to go find that and look that up. <laughs> uh, okay. So specifically, her name is Asia O'Hara. Yeah, I can't remember. Time means nothing anymore, so I don't remember. How, it was, I want to say like three seasons ago, but I don't really remember. I'm, I'm sure if I Google RuPaul butterfly fail. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it will come absolutely. up. <laughs> okay, well, that's something to look forward to for this week. That's it for us this week. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at GoTeamVenturePod and make sure to subscribe to this podcast on Spotify or Stitcher for new episodes each Tuesday. And tune in next week for next week's episode, Tag Sale, You're It. And as always, I am Justin. And I'm Deanna. And this is Go Team Venture. Venture.